Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. One major obstacle was making a in hindsight, a very wrong decision to leave a great job where everything was going well and follow the money. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I call it actionable empowerment. Every single episode, you'll hear the story of a fantastic woman in tech, from engineers to founders to investors to journalists to designers, all sorts of different females in tech who have thrived. I want to share their stories with you so that you can know what resources, mentors, and life situations they accessed in order to get to where they are today. Enjoy. This week's Women in Tech podcast episodes are powered by Strayer University. Strayer University is the go-to place to get your MBA online. You can get your entire MBA via Facebook. What? Yes, it's true. And they have incredible video content to learn from, amazing instructors, a powerful leadership team, Strayer. Check them out at strayer.edu. Thank you, Strayer, for believing in women in tech. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast. I am so, so elated to be celebrating a university that is just making advancements in online education. Things like you can get your MBA on your phone, which is crazy. And I have Andrea here with me to tell us more about Strayer University. Hello, Andrea. Hi there. Thank you. Of course. So, Andre, go ahead and formally introduce yourself to everybody and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Great. Well, thank you. I'm Andrea Backman. I am provost and chief academic officer at Strayer University, which means that I am responsible to ensure that students who come for an education get the best experience possible. And tell me about your journey. Let's start now and then work our way backwards. So right now, what would you say your day to day looks like at Strayer? Yeah, day-to-day is working with my team to literally think about how we reinvent education, how we bring education to people on their mobile devices while they're on the treadmill when they're in the car. How do we do that and do it in ways that no one else is doing? So I can be on the treadmill and get my MBA. Right. So if you're listening to learning through audio format, you surely can get all of your readings on the treadmill rather than having to wait until you can be somewhere and have a book in front of you. One thing that I'm I'm really curious about, does Strayer take the same amount of time to get your MBA than somewhere else or is it shorter? Like how fast can I get an MBA with Strayer? Yeah, I mean, depending on how many classes a student takes, you can, the, the journey is different for everybody, but you can complete your MBA in 12 to 18 months if you're willing to just commit to getting it done. Yeah, isn't that life, right? The more you yeah. hustle, the faster you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, it's 
just, it, it's so in alignment with where we are today in that digital world with technology at our fingertips at all times. This is incredible. And so walk me back to when you first discovered your love for technology. That actually came because I was involved in reinventing classrooms across the country. So I didn't speak technology, but it sort of fell into my career as I was trying to think about how to bring learning to people who had really busy, busy lives. And that was by figuring out how to take it online, how to make it more bite-sized, how to deliver it in different ways. And you can't escape technology when you're trying to solve problems like that. And, and, and what did that look like? What was your job? And when did that start? Did you have a technology in your home growing up? Yeah, you know, interestingly, now that you've asked that question, when I was in college, I was the only person who had one of those tiny little Mac computers. They just, they look like a little, I don't know, handheld radio in a way. And I would type people's papers for them. They would give me their handwritten ones and I would type them on my little Mac for a dollar a page, which means I was up all night long, but I was the only person who had access to a computer at the time. Really? Yeah, in the apartment scene or the dorm scene. I didn't know anybody else who had one. So that was yeah, a long you, time ago. Yeah, because they were only in the libraries, right? For a while, that's Correct. where you got your computer. That's crazy. What moved you to get the Mac? How did that even become a thing? You know, I started working when I was really young. And the first job that I had was for a cancer center, I remember. And I had to input data into these large data sets. So I was basically doing data entry in my teen years, and I became really comfortable with the computer and then also began to understand that inputting data into a system that could actually help to solve problems of the world like cancer was pretty important. And then how did you even become exposed that you can have a Mac inside your home? Was it something in stores at the time or where did you become aware of this? You know, that's such a great question because I didn't grow up in a household that was tech savvy. I mean, my dad rode a horse for a living. So <laughs> I don't know. I, that's a great question. I just, it's kind of always engulfed me individually. And I, I wish I could tell you that I could remember where that came from. I think it must just be innate. So you moved from cancer research and then what was your job after that? So I, after I graduated college, I went into uh, research for a reinsurance company and in that role, just like with the role that I had at the Cancer Center, I had a lot of responsibility for doing research on the computer to help solve and think about the future for this particular organization. And how did technology help you foster creative thinking? Do you remember? Yeah, I mean, it just it made access to research really easy, right? It, it was the, the opening of the door to for being able to access knowledge in ways that was more at your fingertips than it ever had been. And it made the, the ability to do research much quicker. Now, if I would go back now and look at what I did, I, I'm sure it would feel like a dinosaur of an experience. But, but at that time, having gone from a library experience into being in front of a computer to do research, it just made things faster and more um, available. And was this pre-Google? This was pre-Google, yes. So how would you do research back then pre-Google? Well, some we of can the, imagine, um, what does a world pre-Google uh, look like? <laughs> yeah, I have to bring my brain all the way back there. But it, part of it was that, you know, these big companies had access to databases that weren't kind of consumer-facing. 
So I had access to large data sets that were, for example, about uh, insurance incidents or weather conditions, those sorts of things that I could tap into. And then, okay, and then after that job, where did you move on to from there? So from there, I went to an Australian brewing holding company, which I know sounds really odd, but it it was awesome, actually. It was a lot of fun. It was my first exposure into sort of um, working with a lot of people from, they were from Australia mostly. Um, And the interesting part about that job was that, you know, because we were dealing with manufacturing and distribution that was international, the ability to communicate in new ways through the use of technology made that distribution and manufacturing much more possible. And where did you find that job? That job was in Philadelphia, but I had always um, looked to headhunters to help me find the next job because just like me working for the insurance company and having access to these large databases, a headhunter would have much more opportunity to look at big databases of opportunities to provide me with a larger swath of consideration. Do you recommend that for anyone who's graduating from Strayer that they get a headhunter? What's kind of the next steps after graduating from Strayer that you recommend to your students? Yeah, I mean, I think back then when I was doing these first jobs, we didn't have sort of the internet of things in the way that we do today. So certainly for sure is to comb all of the the good sources of job opportunities that are on the internet. Second, I would say is to also, you know, use your networks of of influence around you. And then, yeah, I still think there is value in getting yourself in front of someone who may be able to sell you to a larger marketplace. And then it was the opportunity after that, was that Strayer or where did you move on to after the Australian company? Um, no, then I went to a, um, a, a sales consulting company after that. But soon after the sales consulting company, I decided I was in an MBA program and I was just, I wanted to go and do something different. So I moved to Chicago and I hadn't finished my MBA. And so in order to do that, I said, well, how can I do that for free? Why don't I go work for a university? Right. And um, that's how I fell into this online technology education space. And what's so great is Australia makes it more affordable to get an MBA and you probably are able to offer a lot of solution that you didn't have back then. Is that is that accurate? Yes, completely. I mean, we were doing online learning. We were one of the first when I was back in Chicago, but now you know we can offer to the coursework and learning tidbits on devices instead of just being tethered to your you know, hardwired computer, which is what it used to be when I was in Chicago. What's the difference for everybody asking us right now, um, like whether to get their MBA going to Strayer or to get their MBA going to a school like UCLA? What would the, I know both of them have pros and cons. What would some of the pros be for Strayer versus institution like UCLA or USC or one of those? Yeah, I think one of the things that is completely unique about us is that our MBA programs are powered by real life business professionals who didn't grow up being faculty and who have experiences to share in the subjects that our students want to learn. So for example, Jack Welch, CEO of the Century, is teaching our students about his principles and how to be how to be great in the workplace. And John Steinberg is teaching uh, mobile MBA students about digital entrepreneurship, having grown such a successful career himself. And there's countless other stories of people inside of our classrooms 
who connect with our students in ways that say you can do this too. And just in case, tell us who John Steinberg is as well. So John Steinberg is uh, has had great careers at places like Daily Mail um, and is now the founder and CEO of Cheddar. Cool. And Cheddar's awesome. It's an amazing media company. You've been at Stringer now for how many years? So three years the first time and five years this time. And have there been some student stories that have really moved you? Oh, my gosh, completely. Yeah. I mean, I try to stay really close to our students. It's hard when there's, you know, close to 50,000 of them. But on the MBA side, I used to be the dean at the Jack Welch Management Institute. So I spent a lot of time with the Jack Welch students. And um, I have a couple of stories. One is um, there is a, there was a student there. Her name was Kathleen Thompson. We called her KT. Uh, and she was a rock star. She kind of really helped to create a community for students, even though everybody was virtual. She would have these, you know, virtual happy hours where students would get on and have happy hours virtually together. Uh, So she was amazing. And she really helped to create a student culture for us. And then after she graduated, I said, you know what, I really could use her to help teach our undergraduate students. So now she is an amazing instructor for us at Strayer and the students, the community, her fellow faculty, we all are in awe of her. That's so cool. What does she teach? Culture? She teaches Business 100, so the introductory business course for our uh, undergraduate students. And I guess I should say, I haven't mentioned this yet, but one of the things that Strayer is doing that no one else is doing, no one, is we have a team of documentary filmmakers who are using the power of story to help students learn difficult concepts. So in Business 100, for example, KT, this faculty member, gets to use the power of story to make students fall in love with business. I love that. I love that. And again, it's so in alignment with how we function today as a society um, with digital content just left and right. Uh, It's amazing how normal we're, you know, we touched on this briefly earlier, how normal Google, social media, all of this is now our normal day-to-day life when it used to be, what is Twitter was on every radio station. What is this Twitter thing? You know, and now it's just our our normal everyday life. And and now um, you mentioned that you were at Strayer and then you left Strayer and then you were at Strayer again. Fill us in on that story. Yeah, I mean, I in my career, I will say it's uh, maybe life and career. I had one regret, and it was making that move. Turns out we all learn from our mistakes. So I actually took a job for the money, frankly. I mean, I was wooed away with this big package. I moved my family across the country, and I should have done more research about sort of the values and and the innards of the place where I was going. It just was not a good fit for me. And now I had moved my family. My husband had quit his job. It was a really, really tough time. Um, I eventually made my way back to Virginia. I was working at the University of Virginia at the time, and I got a call from Strayer again, and it was that Jack Welch had joined as a partner to Strayer, and they wanted me to come in and talk about being his dean, and I was just to the moon. So that's how I landed back here again. You know, we have a lot of rebounders is what we call them at Strayer, so people who leave and come back. You know, you always think the grass is greener, but there's something about the culture that we have here that really is a lot of fun, super fast paced, super lean, but a lot of fun. And um, there's a lot of us who recognize how special that is. 
I think sometimes we start to think that culture is a norm when we're in a really good situation. And it's not until we leave that we see, oh, not everybody functions under the same code. Completely. That is a great way to describe it. Completely. Definitely. So we've been talking about video and how important video production, video connectivity, all of it is with engaging the way that we learn now, the way that we communicate. Can you tell me more about how Strayer utilizes video um, to enhance education? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm wildly excited about what we call Strayer Studios. Um, This is an arm of our university that is made up of documentary filmmakers and creatives and editors and storytellers. And we stood up this team because one day we were sitting around the table trying to figure out how can we engage learners? And then we said, well, how are we all engaged at the end of a long day? And we were like, well, we watch our favorite episode or we put on a movie and get captivated by what's on screen. So we thought, well, why can't we do that with our students who have competing priorities? Create something that is provocative and beautiful and engaging and episodic. And so that's what we sought to do. And today, two years after we've stood up this team, we have just dozens and dozens of documentary films with celebrity content, people who tie their life experience to the learning concepts that we have in the classroom. So, for example, we have a gentleman who he's called the Gangster Gardener. He lives in L.A. and he tells the story of food deserts and how there is an inequality in the food that people eat across the country or even in side-by-side communities. And it is a powerful, beautiful mini documentary film that we created around him. And in the end, we're teaching students about social inequality in a sociology course. But we do it through the story of people who are doing interesting things and have interesting things to say. I mean, we still provide the rigor of reading for our students, but it's not all reading and transactional exchange in an online environment. It is engaging with these beautiful stories through really well-made films. So I know I'm a visual learner. So if I was able to see it in a documentary and then understand the concepts and then reading it in a book, I'd be like, oh, that's what that means. Yeah. I mean, we start with the learning outcomes. What do we want students to learn? And then from there we say, okay, well, what emotions do we want to evoke to get them to learn these things? And then we find out what stories or characters are going to help us do that. So it is a really interesting way to input technology and story into the classroom to help students achieve their learning goals. And how many stories would you say Strayer produces? Is this ongoing, uh, weekly, monthly? Uh, how, yeah. how much content do we get to um, absorb? We've had um, 100, in the, in the last two years, 100,000 seats. So students might take more than one class of seats, experience studios content. So we're really proud of the reach that we have. Each class that we've done this with has about five different stories in it, but really like 25 videos because around the stories, we wrap the learning, the more deep dive of the lecture, if you will. Um, So we have a really thick repository of stories and we continue to build out like mad In fact, we are going to be doing a story in the next couple of months with Queen Latifah, who's one of our newest partners. Cool. What? Um, That's awesome. She's cool. Yeah. (laughs) She's awesome. And uh, so those are the kind of people that we're wanting to engage, people who will really resonate with our students and who can inspire. She is just a fabulous partner to us. Very passionate about the importance of education. That's awesome. And if you want to take a look inside the classroom and see some of these videos, you can visit studios.strayer.edu to take a look.
And we'll include it in the show notes too. So you guys can just click there to easily find it. I've watched them and they are so well done. Really, really cool. Highly suggest it. One, my new question that I started asking and I love it is, is this your first podcast interview? This is not my first podcast interview, but I do have fun doing them every time I do it. Yes. So the reason I like asking that is for so many incredible women in tech, it is their first and it blows my mind. And I usually find out afterward. And I think it's just really inspiring for everybody listening to hear that whether you've done a million podcasts or you haven't done any at all, you're all worthy to share your story uh, on the show. Can you tell us a little bit about how maybe a tip on how to be more comfortable presenting yourself on an interview or a podcast, because it's really scary if you've never been on one before. Yeah. I think it's like thinking about having a conversation with a friend. So the more authentic you can be, the more relaxed, the more true to yourself, the better that conversation is going to go. That's why people like to listen to podcasts because it sounds like a conversation. It sounds like people are just being authentic. Last question. What is one obstacle you've successfully overcome? How did you overcome it? And what did you learn from it? So one major obstacle was making a, in hindsight, a very wrong decision to leave a great job where everything was going well and follow the money. And actually recovering from that wasn't easy because it meant going to that new job, realizing it, and then trying to figure out how to get out of it and and try to get back to where I was, which was having a great time at work. I think if you continue to believe in yourself and you allow yourself to have failure every once in a while, because everybody does, and you figure out what you're going to learn from it, and then just set yourself back on course, that's the hardest lesson that I learned. It took me a long time to get back on course or longer than I wanted anyhow, but knowing where I wanted to go and staying focused on that and knowing the environment that I needed to be in to thrive as a professional. uh, I just kept those two things focused. I forgot about, didn't forget about the money, but I didn't let that be my driver. And I turned it around and now I'm happier than I ever have been in work. Are there a couple of tips you'd give us to think about like a couple of questions that we can ask ourselves when we're exploring different job opportunities or looking to change our careers and we have these um, options of one's more money or, or one has this type of culture? What are some questions that we could ask ourselves after what you've learned um, that maybe could better give us insight into our own desires if we maybe have a block up? Yeah, I think literally taking pen to paper, which does not sound very technology-like, but take an index card and put a line down the middle and do pros and cons. And then check yourself at the end. If you have five cons and two pros, then think about why that's so imbalanced before you make a move. The other thing I would strongly suggest to the extent that it's possible is to actually visit the place where you're considering taking the job. Say, hey, can I come in and meet folks before I make a decision? Because you never are really going to fully experience the culture unless you can meet people outside of the interview team or be a part of like the environment, the space for a little bit of time. So those would be two things I would recommend. What an incredible idea. I've never heard that before. And I think it's so practical and perfect. Like there is no other way to truly experience that culture unless you're walking throughout the culture, getting a tour. I know Zappos, um, the commerce company based in in Vegas, they give tours often for people to experience the Zappos culture. And other than Zappos, I've never really heard about 
touring, touring a work culture. I mean, it's brilliant. Thank you for that. I appreciate the insight. That's awesome. Thank you so much for, for sharing your story with the women in tech podcast. It's, I love how passionate everyone I've spoken with has been about being a part of Strayer. It's just, it's, it's really beautiful to hear. I hear the culture behind all your voices. Um, you remind me of another company that I met with in San Francisco, this large uh, tech security company. And I was blown away by how connected and passionate every last staff member felt about the company, its culture, its, its leadership team. It's, I get the same vibe with Strayer and it's always refreshing to know that yeah. a company's run well. <laughs> well, thank you. We are super proud of the culture and, and how much it comes through. So I'm glad you heard it. Of course. Where can people find you online? Yeah, I mean, my, one of my big outlets is Twitter. So you can find me on Andrea Backman one at Twitter. And I'm also on Facebook and I'm also on LinkedIn. So you can feel free to get in touch with me in any of those ways. And can you spell your Twitter handle for us? At A-N-D-R-E-A-B-A-C-K-M-A-N-1. Perfect. You want to connect with more incredible women in tech? Remember, you can go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Or say hello on social, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, at Women in Tech Show. I will talk to you guys here. You guys see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. This week's Women in Tech episodes are happily powered by Strayer University, a dynamic place to get your MBA online. Yes, you could get your entire MBA via Facebook. It's wild. They have amazing video content, incredible instructors, and a great leadership team. Check them out at strayer.edu. That's S-T-R-A-Y-E-R dot E-D-U. S-T-R-A-Y-E-R dot E-D-U. Thank you for being a part of the Women in Tech podcast. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.